When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diana. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? Today, Russell, I am feeling like the cameras are rolling and they're also flashing everywhere I go. And it seems to me it's just become quite a busy weekend. Like literally, it was my mum's birthday and everywhere we went, we were like taking pictures. I went to visit Tracy I'm in the artist, and she's got new kittens and all I was doing was taking pictures. And it got me thinking about this phenomenon of the era we are living in where everyone is a photographer and even I am a photographer to the point where like I'm taking pictures all the time. But for me, they're just like mementos of my life and they kind of often have very personal fleeting moments. Like I might see a cloud in the sky here in Margate that I will want to take a picture of for some random reason and I don't even share it with anyone but there's this kind of phenomenon now where I I feel like when we were kids maybe we had kind of like disposable cameras with the film and like I used to actually really enjoy even when the digital photography era happened and you'd get like a digital camera but the era I loved was kind of when when you would have like negatives and you know you'd actually like scroll through the negatives and like you never quite knew what the pictures were going to be like when you went to Boots the pharmacy here and got your pictures you know you, you didn't actually see them whereas now it's also immediate so it got me thinking we should be talking to an artist who we adore. Our guest today is someone that I first met very briefly in 2011 because I was kind of emailing him a lot at the time. I wanted to make an addition with him and even I think maybe show him at Carl Friedman Gallery. I can't remember, but I, I met him at the Deutsche Börse Prize, um, which he was one of the nominees of in London in, in, in association with the wonderful Photographers Gallery. And at the time, it felt like there was this new generation of photographer. Mm. There were other people that I was close to, like Torbjörn Rodland, who is also in LA. And there was a whole kind of crew of new photographers from all over the world who, who were looking at photography in a very new way. And the question I have for today's guest, which is an important one, is what is an image and what is photography now? And it's a kind of really interesting thing to think about in relation to his practice and his work, because it's so extraordinary, this body of work so far in his life. And I know that you are a collector of his, I believe, because I think I've seen some at your house. I have a work, yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, They're quite alluring objects, his work as well. Like they've always had this real draw to them Mm. because of the way they're framed and they're presented and they're kind of almost like sculptural. You almost want to reach in. You know, they're very seductive objects as well as being photographs. And as as his work's gone on, there's also been amazing films and all kinds of work, which we will be discussing very soon. Well, yes, well, he's been described as saying, though, you're saying that they're they're photography and sculptural as he is introducing a picture, but asking for it to open up like an object. So. Yes, we'd like to explore that further. 
we would like to welcome to Talk Art, Elad Lazri. Lazri. Hey. Hi. Wow, this is such a pleasure to hear you guys speak. Just uh, saying, um, hearing nice things is always uh, fun for an artist. I think we all kind of spend so many years of hearing about things that don't work, or which is completely okay too, but um, it's nice. Um, especially you guys speak very well. Nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, like like the struggle of being an artist, the kind of realities <laughs> of behind the scenes. I think sometimes the life of an artist is actually very solitary as well. It's quite a lone pursuit in many ways. Mm -hmm. It can be, yeah, definitely be yeah. a struggle. Where are you in the world, Elad? I happen to be in New York. Oh, you're in New York because you're normally based in Los Angeles. You're, yes. you're Israeli-born, Tel Aviv-born, based yes. in Los Angeles, but now you're in New York. Yeah, I've, I um, have been in LA for... A random, a random semester in San Francisco in undergrad and a year in Greenpoint when he was just kind of becoming Greenpoint. So essentially Brooklyn, but it's, but otherwise New York, LA. So I happened to be in New York for a, a period of time. So What was the draw being like from Tel Aviv as and an artist of Los Angeles for you to then, to then really create your practice? That's a good question. And I've been asked that and uh, developed in my thinking about it mm. maybe kind of had to ask myself that but i think that the the real kind of the, the first part of the answer is a bit of a coincidence as much as such thing can be a coincidence uh, applying to a school but um but yet it is because i kind of did so by very analog research of you know it was a bit uh, you know i'm 43 so at the time, internet was just starting to become common in household like connections. So I um, was still kind of, oh, I'm going to go to the embassy or whatever. So, yeah, I kind of researched uh, art schools. Mm -hmm. It happened when I realized I want to go to art school and didn't know much about art school. I was um, very much rejected from Slade. So I kind of thought to go to England first. Really? So you tried, you were think, considering London before? Yeah, I, I kind of thought that's closer and I was kind of a fan of English culture. Yeah, of course. In Israel, in Israel we kind of like geek over English people, you know. <laughs> Do you? Like, Anglophiles. All right. I think, yeah, I mean, if you're like in the city, uh, I, I mean, again, this is 90s. I mean, now everything is different in the world, right? I mean, no one cares about being sophisticated but um but back then it was kind of you know records you go to london to get records you go to london to get rare magazines or you know you come back with culture you know so oh. so yes yeah, so that was my first thing i applied to slade and it was like no <laughs> it, it wasn't like no i mean <laughs> so i was like okay well okay so then i thought like well let's look at american schools too and i came across color and being kind of at the same time as I as I was coming across artists that uh, were influential for me and ha all had affiliation to that school. And um, I didn't really know much about it. As a matter of fact, when I, um, having lived in the city, as in Tel Aviv, which kind of aspires to always be like very urban, there was a bit of a, I guess, compensation of like, we're not completely Western or whatever that is. That's like, I feel like sometimes we overdo it. It's like, we're going to do more drugs. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, so, um, so I think being from the city, I did not, I, I kind of assumed that art school would be. So I didn't really understand that color arts is very 
much in the suburbs. I uh, read great things about it in terms of like their approach to art. I was in a place in time of like transition and kind of, um, I guess, the kind of energy you have in your 20s. So I thought it all kind of seemed like, you know, they were very uh, welcoming and just seemed great. Um, When I got there, I was actually picked up by two students who it was their work study to pick up international students, I guess. So there's like there's a two a, a character animation students like waiting for for me, and I think I was like arriving in like a Ben Nye's airport or something random, and um, I kind of they put me like in this like Nissan, which was also my first car actually, but and we started driving, and it was kind of like you know like it was like very cinematic like you're the guy that's arriving from the desert um and and i was like and i was just start, start driving and i was like wow uh, this is not coming together it's not starting to look like a city or anything that i know and i realized that the school is actually when people say los angeles it's like los angeles county like so it's like right. you can be very much like nowhere and you're still in la somehow and then i um I said that I think instead of getting a dorm, I'm going to get an apartment in San Francisco, not knowing that San Francisco is Miles away. five hours, five hours drive. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so anyway, be quite so, a journey to, to so that's how I kind of, it was very much of a coincidence in that sense that I didn't know as much about it aside from its uh, excellence in contemporary art education. And then um, it took some time to get used to how, yeah. But this is, so this is the California Institute of the Arts and here you studied film. So prior to studying... No, I studied film and uh, I did two majors. I did studio art and film. Studio art and film. So, so prior yeah, to... So I did the development. Right, right, right. So, but prior to being there, did you have... Um, were you making like films yourself or we, did you have a camera back in Tel Aviv? How did you know that this was... You wanted to be an artist, like growing up in Tel Aviv? What was the sort of culture there for you to recognize this? I um, I think by way of how I was thinking mostly that um, I always felt that in order to feel a a sense of spiritual for lack of a better word or like, you know, selfhood or like um, being or or, because it's not quite intellectual. That's why I'm kind of looking for a word that reflects more of what it is that in order to feel there is a certain commitment that's sort of built in to thinking in a in a way that doesn't always line up with what is introduced to you Mm -hmm. and i think slowly you start wondering what is this sort of impulse and what kind of avenues it takes you to meaning is it something that isolates you is it something that enriches you and then you slowly mature maybe or kind of like explore your curiosities the more you understand wait maybe it's like what art is and i guess i'm referring specifically to what art has kind of become it has become that over many many decades but in different pace with some setbacks but i think essentially american schools at least it has been several decades where there is a sort of space where you can really develop that that sense of an artist as as a thinker mm. Mm. um which is kind of the education i feel like i essentially received mm. but so so yes yeah, so, so it wasn't so much about uh, i i think it was via maybe not finding 
ways to completely fulfill that within the structure I kind of had because art was still rather, I guess, like a, uh, there was more of like a sense that I sometimes see here too. Uh, I think you always see it as an artist where you you sort of like meet re- people that you quite find interesting and, and you kind of want to have the conversation and then they hear that you're an artist and, and you know, and there could be like Ivy League lawyers or whatever and they'll say, uh, that is so cool, you know, like, do you do oil or, you know, or, and then you said, no, actually, I don't, I, I don't really paint or, and they say, um, that's awesome though. Like being creative is, is so important, you know, something like that. So it's like, it's still kind of, Recognized. you know, and this is, this is like kind of Americans who have, ha, who have a system for, for contemporary art. So, so I think it's interesting because, you know, one could say, I could think like, well, is it because my mom is an engineer? Is it because I'm, I grew up in Israel? But like, the truth is that you know, it is really a pursuit. Like, I, I think you meet people that you know that spend time thinking about what art is, thinking about poetry or whatnot, and and others who don't really have the need for that, or for them it's just something that. Um, and I don't say it in a blaming way; it's just a reality that that you know, for some people, it's just something that you know they'll just tell their kid, oh, you know, he, he's an artist, you know, like. Like to make sure, like that the kid knows that there's like artists in the world. Mm. Uh, you know, like to but make you, sure you, you were pay- told that, that you you were made to feel like there were artists. That was an available choice path for you to take. No, I was not. No, right. I wasn't told anything though. Like meaning that there was no. I didn't grow up with this sense of like um, concern of what do I know my opportunities are. Right. No, not in the sense of negligence. That just the culture was very much of you know people have jobs and and. Um, you notice what they do and you know there, there wasn't such a kind of i think today you see more a facilitation towards like you know did you know you could be an astronaut or whatever, whatever that is and mm-hmm. where i grew up more more it's like if you're really great at you know physics you might think about astronomy at some point mm-hmm. like uh, it, it, there wasn't a, a push um like not, not to say that there was a lack of culture but there was the culture was i think it ha- that's interesting actually as europeans you guys might have and but then i think england might be an exception a bit but i i do often think with friends that are from countries that have very strong identity uh, as it, in france italy and um i find that they too have a very difficult time to be artists in their country um i i find that um sometimes the kind of like israel in the case of israel it's a little bit less um less fun of a context than like Italy or something, uh, the kind of specificity that, you know, that it's more of like a war or or that kind of histories where like in Italy, it's this kind of overwhelming excellence and uh, and sort of a, a complex histories in, in culture and so on. And so same more of France. a pressure then, more of a pressure. You think. Yeah. I, like I, you yeah. The, the, and responsibility <laughs> to, you know, what's being there, there is way, more of a difference, you know, they, they say maybe that's a bit of a tangent about something, but, but there, there is a, it takes me back thinking about when I speak about my history, I think about other friends who are from Europe, who are from countries who have much more art funding or art in their life. Yeah. Yet they still had to leave, whether it's to Berlin or, you know, that's like, again, this place that has been sort of like had to start over, right? Something has been erased or to America that has this kind of amnesia, you know, like LA has this sort of a, kind of a building just goes down and it's like you just put a new one mm. like nothing has this sort of european architecture mm. and i think like the us being a new country or berlin again th- there is something where 
where you don't have to be a French artist anymore. You don't have to be an Italian artist anymore. You don't have to, you know what I mean? And that's interesting because my friends who are from Europe would tell me like, be concerned about their visa or whatever. And I'll, I'll say like, well, I mean, the worst thing, I mean, like going back to Paris is not, and they'll be like, no, you don't understand. Like, I, I can't make art there. So it's like, you know, it's, it's quite interesting, like in the relationship to what kind of household you grew up in, what kind of city you grew up in to think about what is actually the kind of sense of freedom mm. a, a contemporary artist is often looking for. Mm. Yeah. We feel like the person you needed to be or, or the, the place you needed to access, you had to go somewhere else. You had to uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um and yeah. I think it's like it's it's psychological freedom, isn't it? It versus um physical space. Mm. So it's kind of like mental space mm. and physical space. And I think somewhere like LA, even though it is built up, especially with when you're driving around and things like that, like you were describing that cinematic element of it. I think there is something very psychologically sort of liberating about it. Yeah. If you absolutely. if you look back to to when you were a teenager and you mentioned like you know looking at England and sort of vintage magazines um that you might have been looking at whether did you actually collect magazines was that something because I know your work obviously references for those who haven't seen it yet but your work often references um the format of the magazine yeah, commercial page, photography and, um, and commercial advertising photography. And, yeah yeah exactly and yeah exactly and plays with that scale of like a magazine page a lot yeah, yeah yeah you know it's interesting I mean it's very tricky for me because you know for me my work often and i think most work of of art probably you know they sort of escape you and you feel like you kind of have so much control over what you're making and then you sort of have to let go of that control so when you ask about magazines and so on yes absolutely i did i did collect magazine uh, uh, magazines photographs i still do one of my um strong um influences is uh, Hans Peter Feldman mm. um, and um, and what I'm saying by that mentioning him for example is the sort of analog sense where he um, collects um, uh, postcards and, and has this sort of like libraries of images and um, I know that uh, Francesca Pia who whom uh, I work with in Zurich and uh, mm -hmm. and absolutely am inspired by her as a person also but she um, she she mentions that she communicates with him with letters, uh, by letters. What what I'm saying here, while my work had a sort of um, limitation in its kind of format, I through my work I kept being very interested in um, in the lack of format in a way that that the picture has. So there has been like I think what. What drives me often is the sense that this sort of duality where the picture is on one hand very much of a fixed thing mm. by what we, what it does to us or what it can does to us, what it can offer us. And on the other hand, the picture is this sort of super sneaky, tricky, cumbersome, yet organized unit. And it's this sort of Thing that always kept me coming back to it in a sense however in order to engage with this duality i sort of had to return a lot to um, older systems in a way of finding out how much really technology played to to these 
kind of magical qualities of the picture. So what I mean by that is that when we speak of these sort of qualities that the picture has, we often want to have an exit, i.e. a way to sort of like resolve the question that has to do with um, with technology, because technology absolutely is uh, very, very involved in how things change. Yet there is something about the inception of photography and the kind of early years of photography that um, kept showing an aspect that was sort of out of control. So there, mm-hmm. there is something that is in, innately out of control. I mean, of course, by the sense of the multiple, but the, the, the nature of having having a, a negative that can make many copies and then um, the dissemination of, of, of these copies. So, you know, of course, perhaps in the 50s, the idea that you could, um, a very troubled individual and take an embarrassing photographs of someone and print it 100 times and send it to everybody you guys know, mail it to everybody you know, and today you can do it uh, online or whatever people do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so right, uh, of course, the, my point is that the picture had mobility, like the, 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 the negative that allowed exact copies offered a sort of horror, uh, yet also a kind of great privilege at, at times, but yet the, 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 the fact that you could have accurate copies of the original that have that are um, a registration of, of some of something accurately um, carries this sort of like tension that photography has. Yet it keeps kind of evolving, and of course some changes are radical, like the digitation of a picture. But when you think about them philosophically, they're so much in line with what has already happened in the sense that really, you know, there is this kind of ongoing conversation of uh, uh, the biology of seeing being very similar to a camera. And yet, you know, the, 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 what, what we actually see is, is never quite like what is there. So, I think that's, so that defines is, your – just saying that sentence it sums up your work is that what we're actually seeing is never what is there because you are creating these images that play with um, what we're used to seeing because you work in this format which is a magazine size and everybody coming to your work will see them and they're all framed in these beautiful coloured lacquer frames which relate to the images and anyone who knows your work will recognise it straight away as an Lazary work. It's incredible but – you think you're seeing one thing and then there's these collisions or obstructions that are intentional at every point. So when you look at the image, it actually makes you re-question it. And there's quite, they're full of a lot of um, quite banal things in there, but yet you they end up through your work having an iconic status. So like you will have pictures, studio, studio still shots of like what you would see as a, a, some milk or some chocolate or some eggs or, you know, ribbons, uh, bread, falling, falling strawberries, falling strawberries or, or like wallpaper. And, it, and, it, and it's quite a banal <laughs> object, like the domestic you're photographing. But then it has this, it's put into this kind of commercial aspect and given this iconic status as something that we should all desire. It's quite... Andy Warhol Americana, the way that the kind of supermarket was then made to be an art an art gallery for the world to consume. The, the, the thing that happens, I think that it, there is a 
a sort of a back and forth that uh, sort of almost like vectors, like this pulling and 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 pushing, and um, at least in my mind that I uh, find that I deal with when I make work, and I think that very much what happens in the photo is that. I often felt that I would look at the uh, um, available pictures of, um, let's say, uh, a strawberry uh, or strawberries, and and um, and I would arrive at at a photo that has few of the echoes that I've seen together. Hang on, this is sorry, this is a stock archive you're looking at now, because you because some some of your images are your in order to your, make a work in order to make so work, order, you would look at an archive image of, yes, of yes. commercial so, so either, commercially shot it's, strawberries. Either that, it's really from any. So what what happens would be um, stock images, and it would also be amateur images that I would get on eBay. So right. a lot of people sell sell their archive of years of negatives. So if you look at eBay, like photos of flowers, I mean there would be like amateur photographers that are getting rid of hundreds of negatives of like sunflowers or, or whatnot. And right. uh, wow. it's, it's incredibly, it, it's very, um, I, I mean, it's like a whole thing that um, is quite excellent. I mean, mm. a way of, of sort of like recycling, it would be a lot of classes, like people that have taken classes and have shot a lot of negatives. And I often would, would get sort of bank of images. And then there is of course, commercial uses of images. And then I would, in the cases where I would make a work, there would be something that comes up together from all of that. There would be sort of like a, a new aspect that is not is not quite articulated in each one of them, but sort of like arrived. And I will aspire to make a work that has a lot of that echo together. Mm-hmm. So I think what makes me return to the picture is that it has a kind of duality where it is familiar and unfamiliar at the same time. Exactly. And um, often I would do it with mixing what is um, actually being being photographed uh, and uh, its composition or whatnot, but also a, a sort of technicality. When I started making my photographs, there were two formal elements that were very, um, as they say here, awkward. Um, mm-hmm. And it is that they were very small, and um, I made some eight by ten photographs, which are the kind of standard size for some industries, and then eleven by fourteens, which was very close to um, some nineteen fifties. Well, the first ones uh, were actors' headshots. Is your ten by eight? Yes, exactly. and, yeah, and then exactly. the magazine size. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So uh, actor headshots and, and also film stills, publicity film stills as well were available so uh, and i would keep them at that size and at the time i think photography was interested in um taking on kind of um painterly jargon or sort of this idea of the sublime and um sort of being overwhelmed by the print if you think of the dusseldorf school or or other great uh, photographers who have done incredible work that deals with that. Um, but I, I think that I, I was not completely interested in photography. I was sort of figuring out what it is that I'm interested in making. And I was quite interested in sculpture. And I had a period when I would like have some of the pictures I, I, um, I had in my studio, I would sort of have them on a sculpture and I would, or I would have them on a shelf. And I, you know, again, this is like 2000. Uh, seven 
Yeah, I, I, I didn't really. Um, I was a bit confused of, of, of where my relationship to pictures is a, 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 as an artist. In some ways, I was very much uninterested. And in other ways, I was fascinated. Um, mm. And it was quite confusing. But that, that sums up your work as well. Because there is sort of like objects are uninteresting in some ways, what is actually being photographed. But by what you've made with them, you've made them fascinating. You've made us want to notice <laughs> them and recognize them and see what they are and that that is uh i mean that's amazing that's why i've been drawn to your work but what when, when we just go back to the scale a bit why did you settle on that scale is it because it's the magazine format and it's, it feels like no it, it is not it is not by 14.5 inches okay. yeah it, it, it is not because of that you know i mean i completely um understand why it comes up and i'm sure there is obviously it's, it's relevant but what it really was is that I was working against the picture. I, w- I was really interested in working against what makes it a picture mm. in some ways. And I had to have a sort of, you know, the scale was an enormous an enormous aspect of, of what kind of made this kind of gasp. And like when you enter a gallery that you see this, you know, it first exposes the technicality and the mastery, the scale, right? I mean, like when you see a Gursky, when you see, you know, a, a, a Thomas's truth. I mean, it, it's just like it's like wow. Huge. How yeah. how many negatives are these? Like you know, and I was using the same negatives, but I was essentially almost printing their contact. So I would photograph something on eight by ten, and it would end up being eight by ten. Right. It had a very uncanny quality, and I would also use a focus that was completely absurd for what I was fo- uh, what I was photographing, and and then. Um, I was often choosing color that I found kind of really uncomfortable. And there was a lot that I was working against. What would happen if I would eliminate all these tools that I have working for me, as in making a photograph? So the artist isn't present. It's like you're in, removed. In some, yeah, in, in, I, I think I removed, what I removed was the, um, the applied art aspect of it. Yeah. I mean, meaning that, I was not completely removing it, but I was definitely trying to let go of what was not at question. Uh, for so me, that again, the explain it then. To let go of something that was not a question. So not in, not in, not in question not for in me. Question. What I mean, what I mean by that is that the idea of overwhelming a viewer was not interesting to me. Right. 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 Mm. So I had to kind of, the idea of connecting with my curiosity about, about the status of the picture uh, was very much exciting to me. So I think in a way, there was a back and forth where using this, um, this uh, negative that is really kind of uh, reserved for a campaign of the car you know, the, the time the negatives were also transparencies when you wanted to reach uh, such accuracy. So there is very little leeway in terms of exposure. You know, for example, one of the graduate school I applied to with that work, they asked me after, they said, you know, we do want to know the final size of the work still. Uh, because I wrote 11 by 14 on the slides. Mm. So they didn't, even imagine that these slides were supposed that they, they thought it was a mistake that it was 11 by 14 
Right. Today oh, it's wow. very different because I think that over the you know now I see it as a kind of like another thing that like I would uh, like a framing straight to the photo was not very common. It was kind of considered very cheap move, like what you do in a headshot. Well, yeah, there was loads of like diasec bonded kind of. Um, where you just have like a sheet of perspex cut right to the edge of the print yeah. of the photograph. And that was kind of a standard thing where, where it became very contemporary, didn't it? And very Exactly. Like, it kind of it elevated. Like an elitist thing, like elevating the it photograph. It elevated the photograph, which I later, come, I later started playing with that notion as well, like kind of going back and forth. But these uh, group of works were, there was something very um, harsh at the same time at mm. how they were framed. And very confusing because there was a very delicate treatment to how they were executed, yet a kind of almost irresponsible like way of like um, framing. And then, um, and then there was the subject matter that at times seemed so uh, banal, mm. and uh, was kind of like, is this like a cookbook or or like a calendar? Exactly. And yes. It, yes. 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 Yeah. And, and it was a little bit also confusing genres. Was that upsetting for you when people were saying this, though, or was that kind of inspiring you more because you're like, this is the challenge, this is the sort of confusion that I'm embracing? No, it's it's not. I, I think people have a, have had a, a lot of misunderstanding about my efforts. I never cared to be a photographer, let alone a good photographer or anything like that. I have no. And actually, when in your introduction, when you said that you took photos and anyone can be a photographer, I love that. I think everyone. I actually find it entertaining because because of course anyone is a photographer. I mean, you know, I've had over the years people tell me, "Oh, you, you, you're the photographer." And really, what is it to be a photographer? Um, is completely uh, absurd. I mean, there's nothing about it. I mean, being a photographer is um, simply taking pictures, right? I mean, you know, uh, like being like, like being a poet is simply writing words. Uh, it's the same thing. Not, not to say that every photograph is a poem or every word is. Such, but but the, the idea is that there is a kind of there was this effort mostly coming from MoMA that this kind of modernist effort to include photography within the fields of fine art mm. and some people never went for it like Massimo De Carlo told me when he started working with me just so you know I never worked with photographers <laughs> you're the first one you're an exception and I was like, okay, thank you. But uh, I mean, you know, um, I, I think like, so, so, you know, when you think about, you know, the famous kind of effort in, in, in MoMA to kind of establish this really encompassing uh, photography department and, mm -hmm. and really have uh, scholars around photography and so on and really make it, have it that kind of space. And that conversation is very, very different than what interests me in the practice. It's a great conversation and an interesting conversation to me academically and sort of historically, but as an art practice is very uh, different uh, than what draws me. Um, so I think that, and I spoke to Chris Williams about it because I think with him, it's really kind of incredible because, you know, he'll just have like a credit of a studio. Uh, he was actually with me at the, the Deutsche Bors, I think, or was he the this is Christopher Williams, who's another yes, who's a photographer who's, who's, who's kind of in the lineage and the legacy of the, of the work that you put out there, yeah. And he, well, he's like a generation. Um, I think Christopher belongs to a generation who I really find so inspiring. Mm. And uh, the interesting thing is that there is a very analytical 
aspect, even in the way the the work is titled and credited and so on. There, it's mm-hmm. very uh, much about uh, about you arriving somewhere. There is a re- accountability, a responsibility, I guess. Mm-hmm. It is a generation where I think, you know, um, Sharon Lockhart, Christopher Williams, I think in the UK, it's the Simon Sterling, I believe, has a very kind of research-based. And the approach is, it, it, the reason, it, because it is photo-based, and it has a sort of an, an aspect to it that it really ties it to the history and photography in a more invested way perhaps right in the sense that i always felt very open-ended like my research wasn't um so much about about photography and and within that there was this sort of idea of existing and the kind of um i think later i started addressing more specifically the sense of like seeing and and you know the sort of like there's sort of a notion of mediation but the the body of work that we were speaking about is was kind of like a a foundation that i um that really kind of had me um sort of use as as developing a language yes totally you have developed this language and and you Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com You've described these works as free radicals, is how I've heard you refer to them before, which is yeah. fantastic. So what? So the images that we, we come to, and we've seen, I described some earlier on, like the domestic ones, but then there's like a, a series of cats, which I love. There's mm-hmm. the Bengal cat and the Cornish Rex appears. Mm-hmm. There's giraffes. There's uh, mm-hmm. zebras or zebras. There's all different animals mm-hmm. that are in there. Some are very cute. You play with double exposure. It feels like there's it's a never-ending decision-making, but also there must be rules that you set for yourself are there certain things where you're like i'm not gonna photograph that that's something i won't touch or this is something that that's something i will never photograph again or i need to photograph that one day and also are these ever autobiographical for you because as we said earlier on the artist isn't present you want to remove the hand of the artist there but do these have some coded autobiographical element to them at any point yeah you know it's funny because um one of my earliest um acquisition the collector came to my studio and he, he said oh i love these i love that and and he said and then what they're about i mean this is just so wow and i, and I said oh thanks 
And he said, well, it's just such a, such a story. And I was kind of getting very confused. And then I realized that he's referring to some biography. Mm. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not sure what. Um, and he said, well, your art dealer was telling me that this is all about your biography. And uh, I said, oh, no, I know that I, I don't think so. <laughs> so that was kind of, um, you know, you were like, um, no. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So it was like, I, I've spoken to it with a few friends over the years in relation to themselves as well. And just generally my, my work it, um, has, um, has, a, has, does not have biography in it in the sense of what biography that tries to make a change or, um, or, or sort of like express difference or so on. However, I think being an artist, you always have bring um, a sense of biography probably. Right. Um, I can say that, I'm not present. Um, I'm not. I'm not present in the sense that I'm not working from an emotional place. Um, I'm not working from. I'm not curious about my biography at all. Uh, when I'm curious about the biography, I like to read the biography. I never found that art is a useful way for me to to know someone's story. That's personally my experience and also my story never made me to want to make art whatever that is i mean you know people have different stories but personally uh, um no events of my life were like were ones of um want to make art i find that good experiences make me want to dance bad experiences make me have less brain cells that's about it like i, I don't you know like there's never been and, and that makes me want to make art. But maybe, you know, I mean, it is kind of uh, perhaps uh, painters uh, um, sometimes. I don't know. I, I think what makes me want to make art is um, the magic of trying to make sense of things, the thrill of, of understanding, of, 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 of being of confusion. I'm very attra attracted to intellectual chaos or, you know, to kind of um, when an artwork makes you makes you kind of having like an art experience in the sense of like this really is touching that thing that is always like circling around that it just like that person who made that had a way to connect with me through ways of seeing and through kind of the the desire to to make sense and the affinity to certain topics of being whether it's the, the magic of animal. And when I say magic, I mean it very differently than, than anything sort of um, romantic. I mean it more as in a sense of something that is yet to be completely understood. You, you know, so, so I resort to that, that word because I'm not quite sure how an animal thinks. I'm not quite sure how um, a plant is a plant. So, I mean, the thing that, that, we we are sort of like coming to for a lack of a better choice we, we come to accept a world and you know we don't really have the we don't always have the luxury to dwell on what um a philosopher might do or or an artist or or a poet but when we encounter it and it's kind of overlaps with ways of 
of thinking to me that's that's art experience really that's kind of when you like connected to the sense of being contemporary or being in the world yeah so i think there's something also about about the mystery then um within within uh like the work that you're making because i think when i first discovered your work you would almost see it and there was something quite it's not chocolate boxy because that's the wrong word but the, the colors were so kind of vivid and very um attractive and i remember being in exhibitions of yours where you would like see the collectors and see the viewers and everyone would get really excited about it and there's something about that that familiarity with the scale because we talked about it being like 11.5 by 14.5 inches and then of course they're framed which is so domestic in a way because you're used to it in a home like we all have family photos and frames and stuff but what i've always loved about it is the mystery and the kind of weirdness of it because to me it's not about any of that it's not really even though the frames are so perfect and so like sprayed to perfection you know they're like these luscious kind of objects that you almost want to like lick or something that just like you want to eat them but but the actual content of it they're so kind of um it's almost like for me it's it, it's kind of like thoughts you know you, you are inherently a conceptual artist and they're, they're they're kind of like working out a thought within each each photo and it's like you, you see all this kind of rigor and all this kind of tension and thought that's gone into what seems like a very simple image but they're really complex and i'm 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 really fascinated by that mystery and that kind of um it's cryptic yeah. isn't it yeah i, I think I like, thank you i mean i, I like the, I, I like um, the way you put it but i i, I think the the subject matter and the strategies around it perhaps allowed the evacuation in a sense like you know that like you have to sort of drain the photograph to um to be able to speak of the system so i feel like um there was a it to me it was always on the cast cusp of emptying it out and I think perhaps that's the kind of, um, you know, I was speaking of photo conceptualism from um, my, my teachers and so on. When there was um, the arrival was more based on um, on an analysis where I found myself perhaps because um, I was kind of coming of age at a time where there was a transition to a much more uh, abstract space i.e. digitation and sort of like literally the photograph becoming a file. Yes. It was almost like the philosophy becoming like literal, becoming mm -hmm. like, oh, you know how the photo has that quality that's out of control? Now it is sort of out of control. It can crash. It can get pixelated. It, it sort of, um, it's um, stored um, on, you know, a cloud or whatnot. Um, so I think there was something that started shifting, not so much in the sense of, of technology, but it was changing technologically. But for me, that was not a surprise. And I, as I'm sure for many, clearly that's a, a medium that's married to technology. Yes. And it's going to keep changing. Yeah. Um, but what is was wonderful that it was sort of articulating a conundrum that's so kind of exciting mm. it was kind of saying this very fixed thing that shows you details the capacity of the negative of the large negative is now a file and it's sort of like you know it can it can be hacked it can be manipulated mm. uh, in a much more 
in a way that is much closer to the way we understand manipulation, where before manipulation was this kind of thing that, oh, this one person can really um, retouch a negative, Mm -hmm. right, for the magazine, or someone is very good at burning and and manipulating like a black and white negative or, or whatever that is. So, so yeah, there, there's something about that that um, brought me to a place where what I was interested in was ve- had very little to do with what is in the picture. In other words, what is in the picture is that its importance is very different than what traditionally we uh, thought of the photograph is. And then at some point there was sculptural elements came in so we have we talked about the framing and the lack of framing and you use like walnut framing a, a lot which i love and sometimes there's metal framing but then sculptural elements started to appear that like these to me felt like ellsworth kelly offcuts that were then kind of <laughs> hanging from the frame at points and then you would have like tube like medical tubing come out and like eames ball mm. bearings would be in there and then there would be things yeah. that the frame would actually be a sculptural object in itself like without the imagery so it felt like a donald judd element in there so this all these mm-hmm. kind of at one point carpet i love that like these motel shag pile carpets would like would obscure half the image at times and silk they made silk pockets for them to sit in all of these things you're constantly exploring of how to see an image as an object right so these mm-hmm. these sculptural mm-hmm. elements this is when, when did these all start getting introduced and how how is that moving for you going forwards? So the the interesting thing is that I was feeling like it was my first exhibition was that essentially, right? And I think that's, again, that is something that I also find myself talking to over the years, not so much anymore. But over the years, you know, we used to talk about art more, like people that you hang out with. And I feel like we all talk about this aspect of how different what you, you might have been intended for to how it's uh, conceived and so on, uh, uh, perceived. And I feel like um, in that case, when I made the, the, the early work, I felt like it, it's funny because I remember my final critique um, in grad school and I remember that people were getting a bit frustrated as they always do in everybody's critique about certain thing. But uh, in that case, that I kept uh, talking about these two photographs that I was suggesting are, are the same. And I was just kind of being a dick, but um, mm-hmm. essentially, or, or not being, but more like I was more doing that for the sake of the conversation, right? Because like mm-hmm. um, I, I was very much talking ab- about what we were saying, that if, if I'm working in, in the tradition of eliminating the sort of capacity of the photograph, then what is left really? And then how do we compare between these photographs? So that kind of, the reason I'm thinking about that is the relationship to, I'm, I'm thinking about the, how early in early in my career, mm. I was interested in the sculptural element. And, and I think that as my work developed, I found myself expanding or sort of like proposing more ways in which the, um, photograph gets sort of incorporated or taken over mm. or cancelled in some ways or sort of um, eliminated and then how the the difference between the registration of an image so meaning that um, I started looking into um, how much of an image is something that we produce as viewers 
and how much of it is sort of arrives as an image. So the idea of uh, of uh, 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 cropping, you know. So if you look at it, you know, when when I collect uh, pictures, some arrive with very um, a physical cropping, like there actually is an object on it that is cropping it, mm-hmm. like whether it be a tape or a kind of vinyl. Of course, that's much older. Um, and then, um, and, and of course, that was also done a lot for negatives. And I think I I found myself incorporating a lot of objects with a photograph and sort of proposing this idea that if uh, the viewer would um, would have a sort of democracy in in a sense of making the image, and um, and maybe it's connected to this kind of neurological aspect of what what we see and how we see what is um, what is being mediated. Mm. And then, um, I remember making a few performances where I dealt with the notion of w- watching something live and having it have sort of the stage having a focal points like and apertures and so on. And in a way, asking that to become a film without the camera. So I think like there started being a back and forth between the, with the, with it sort of proposing a philosophical question more than anything else of, of when is something mediated when is when uh, do we see something as if as an image before as something present uh, so this question of representation and presentation became something that I ca- I, I like the idea of plasticity that is also a, with time we we hear more about plasticity of of the brain mm-hmm. um, that is sort of a much newer notion, yet in um, plasticity of, of, of eyesight. And even when we think about like early motion pictures and so on, this idea of, of, uh, of how, how a picture has motion, right? This mm. sort of like, this sort of, um, in a sense, help from the eyesight, right? We sort of like produce that uh, mobility or, um, or a stop motion animation, right? I often find myself attracted to that space that is not executed in a scientific manner, meaning that like my work is never, I'm never interested in breaking down anything or Mm -hmm. analyzing anything or, or saying, have you noticed? Like to me, that's not the art experience. To me, the art experience is this very subtle sense of, um, movement or shifting. shift shifting yeah. oh yeah there's a quote you've got here he says that you're fascinated by the collapse of histories and the confusion that results when there is something just slightly wrong in a photograph yeah so it's yeah, like it's making you reanalyze what you're seeing and that's your plan i i love the, the fact that I'm, I'm losing english as i age as opposed to gaining <laughs> we all are um we all like are. I'm like I can I cannot uh, <laughs> yeah I'm like I used to be able to uh, speak uh, but uh, yeah no it's it's very much that yet I think it is driven by things that are more uh, that somehow holds a quality that can be explored further and mm-hmm. uh, as an artist you know that yet you're not as interested in being the one that does that because I think the making of the work has that. A potency. I mean, the making of, of a work that one 
he's engaged with typically has a kind of a kind of tension and 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 uh, an history of curiosity and passion that that in a way also is asking you to let go of that mm-hmm. mm. and and uh, and you let go because you know there is a lot there i mean i i speak at least for myself like you know not in any I mean, you, you sense, like, otherwise, that's why we make art. I mean, you, you kind of have a desire to connect via an artwork. Yes. And, and, and that desire, I would think, is, is, is a belief that there is, that there is um, a potential of connection there. Yeah. Well, you're, in, and, you're, in, you're definitely interested in the audience when you make your work. You're not, you, I mean, I'm sure you make work for yourself, but it feels like you're very conscious of an audience for your uh, practice. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, and, and to be frank, I don't make work for myself. Really, I wish I could say that. I mean, mm. I think that sounds so much better. <laughs> like, kind of, you know, independent, and um, it's kind of sexy, you know. It is sexy. Um, but yeah, it's not me. It's um, I'm very much making work from a need to connect, like the sense yeah. that someone. Meaning that you know, I think I think there is a big difference between making work for people to making work from yourself wanting to connect so i think like you know if i didn't make work for connection i would already have moved to the desert and and so on but i think that as an artist you really thrive on that um it it, it's a very strong thing within artists that the, the need to to have the work resonate with people yeah. reminds you of um of everything that usually matters to to an artist, which is kind of being human and 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 having like there's something very lonely about finding yourself making art, mm. very um, very excited by um, that human connection mm. that happens, and it's not a connection in the sense that you necessarily see or you know. I you mean, feel, I'm, but I'm, you I'm, know, it's, it's, yeah. It, it is the fact that it moves, that the work moves. Well, I think that also must be for you from coming from so many exhibitions. I mean, what, what has the art world been like for you? Because, I mean, 2020, you had a massive solo at uh, San Francisco, MoMA, huge. You've had huge exposure over the years. Has it been up and down? Has it been hard to navigate? Or have you felt quite comfortable and confident with the amount of success you've had and... That's a big, big question. I mean, it's a good question. Um, it is tied to so many other elements. So there is a, you know, it is kind of, there, there is an aspect of what does it mean to someone to have the work be of interest, uh, your art be of interest. And then there is an aspect of what does it mean in terms of navigating working relationships, uh, how you see the world and how uh, people that you would find to mentor you see the world and, and things. So, so there's like different aspects. Um, I can say that I, I was not necessarily expecting to have my work liked. Yet when your work is liked, um, it comes with a sense of, um, you know, the art world has changed uh, so much, even in the few years that, that I can think of. But I think that there are, I, I think the biggest experience for me was accepting that there is very little that you can do about how people experience your work Mm -hmm. and uh when you start exhibiting you're so humbled by the fact that people are interested uh you know if i think of grad school we all 
you know, really liked making work, but none of us really had a sense that necessarily other people would like it. Mm. Um, you could or, never know. You'd you know, never know, would you? You, you just never yeah, know, right? Um, so, so I think part of you is very kind of humble. It's like, you know, you, we, we learn to always say yes uh, uh, to offers because you never know when someone wouldn't ask you or whatnot. Uh, maybe it's a little bit like, like acting um, at the beginning for people. I don't know. But the, like I, I know anything I have... creative, you're never going to know right. until someone says, oh, you're good. Let's, I'll give you money for that. Right. Or I'll employ you right. or I'll give you this opportunity. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I never knew that. I, I always thought that I liked my practice. But you don't necessarily know if it's going to connect with people. Just the same way that sometimes you don't connect with people mm-hmm. as a person, right? Um, that is something that can be a, a new aspect of um, of what um, what it means to be exhibiting art, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you know, people often um, talk about. You know, we had a class in grad school called Unwritten Histories, and uh, it was artists who either dropped out or or stop making work for some reason. If mm. we think of Lee Lozano mm-hmm, mm-hmm. making it like an artwork to not stop making work, of of course. Katie Noland. Katie Noland, I was going to say, yeah. the, you know, that's everything, having a show right now, actually, in yeah. New York, I think. And then, of course, Jack Goldstein sort of being back and forth and mm. and then um, back and forth in the art world and then returning to the art world and, and unfortunately um, taking his own life. And several others, I, I think that the sort of Lila Zana would be the best uh, example when people speak of like the art world is someone who made like a manifesto right about kind of the, this. Um, but you're not going to do a Lila Zana. It's not like you're going now going to disappear. We're no, not no, do, no, right. no, no, that's no. All, that, uh, I'm, I'm not comparing it at all. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is that uh, at all, I'm, I, navigating the art world has been kind of discussed by contemporary artists to the point of like me ha- that having had a class called Unwritten Histories by people that sort of like left or 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 or, uh, or or whatever circumstances that, that have come in and out of of uh, making art what is the art world been for me i mean i mean it's changed incredibly it's um i feel like it's it's a very confusing time in terms of uh, i find i find that there is a lot that is different than what yeah, our, our, you know contemporary art is tricky like that i mean there is a sense of of uh, i think our, as artists like we are taught a sense of responsibility, like at least in my school, it came up a lot, the kind of idea of responsibility and uh, intention. So that is something that in times of now that being a pandemic or that I, I think uh, naturally there's a big shift, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, art is the first thing that sort of is not a is not essential right um or it is we think it is here at talk art (laughs) the most essential (laughs) but listen uh, elad we got i'm going to give you some quick fire questions and you've got to come straight in with a response and then we're going to come with the final questions what is your favorite camera to use what's it called dude this is so tough not because there are many just because like i like you know the iphone Icon, yeah, Nikon, I mean, like, yeah, great. No, 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 the iPhone. Like, oh, the iPhone. Oh, right. So you make yeah, images I, I from mean, your iPhone. Great. Yeah, like I don't. I really don't. I, I even though I often make work with eight by ten or whatnot, I it's only because I need to. It's not for fun. Okay. All right. Next question: Dogs or cats? Because I know you once had a Chihuahua. Yeah. Is she still with us? Yeah, called yeah, Tuna. Tuna, yeah, Julia, Tuna, Julia, Kristeva, yeah. So, uh, dogs or cats? Because your work features a lot of dogs and a lot yes, of cats. Yes, uh, uh, both. 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 
very nice. Yeah. Um, ballet, your favourite ballet. You've been told by a ballet dancer that you have uh, amazing feet. Not that you can dance ballet, but if you wanted to do it, you have amazing feet to do it. What is your favourite ballet? Because ballet dancers appear a lot in performances and photography. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Um, that I can answer. Absolutely favourite is um, uh, Foresight. Like pretty much um, any William Forsyth ballet. Okay. So um, yeah, and and like the maybe mid eighties, um, in the middle, somewhat elevated. I think it's called. Is yeah. just if you look it up, many different companies have danced it. It's remarkable, remarkable. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Favorite Hitchcock movie because we see a lot of Anthony Perkins from Psycho <laughs> appearing a <laughs> lot from the film film stills. Is Psycho your uh, favorite Hitchcock, or is there another one? No, no, no. That is, um, that's about Anthony. So yeah, Anthony is. It's not so much about about. Uh, I'm not a big psycho fan. I'm um, absolutely um, consumed, uh, and his sons know that. It's like a, now we talk about it often with um, the late um, Anthony Perkins. So so it's it's a whole kind of ghost in the work that has to do with the yeah with with a kind of standing for a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has a very complex story. So Anthony Perkins sneaks in, sneaks into the work a kind of heavy history. Absolutely, yeah, his history. Yeah. So you are consumed with pictures and images, and you are uh, a collector of images. You're saying you you hoard collections from eBay all over the place. Do you have yeah. one definitive uh, work in your collection that is the best for you? That is your most special. Not really, because I don't have a special relation to 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 it. I'm I'm yeah. It's hard to explain, but I have a special relation to um, ideas. To be honest, really, yeah. I, I don't. I, I never had a favorite. I, I don't even have a favorite artwork. I don't have a favorite uh, color or anything like that because I don't quite work like that. Um, You're not going to like our next questions, then. But <laughs> is it <laughs> behind you at the minute? I can see a photograph. Uh, at work is that Christina Ramberg? Behind oh you. no, that's uh, Ren, uh, 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 that's um, D- Diane. Rene, no, no, it's it's Rene. Um, oh my God, I feel awful now. I'm so uh, brain dead. This is the Dutch painter. Rene So? No, 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 no. It's it's Rene Matic. No, no, no. It's Metro Picture is one of the. Oh. Um, yeah. Rene Daniels. Rene Daniels. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Who is so? There's a work of art behind. There's a work of art behind your head that you have on your wall. Who is that by? This is actually Rene Daniels. Ah, with Metro Pictures. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Right, we're going to move on to our final questions. Yeah. So, if you could do an art heist and take home any artwork, uh, we could help you. But it doesn't have to be an artwork. It could be a building or a ballet, because I know okay. you work with ballet, or it could be anything basically that that means a lot to you. What would you take home and why? Wow. Um, I mean, maybe a painting. I mean, I, I think paintings actually make me happy. Uh, you know, I would love like a really, um, I, I'll take a, like a Gaston if someone. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. Someone can hook that up. Yeah, we, we saw that out. <laughs> actually, I actually really like the work that you did where you photographed um, 
my namesake because our personal trainer, Russell, and my personal trainer when I was in London um, has a nickname for me, which is Rosie. And it's after Rose Byrne, who is someone that you've worked with and collaborated with. And when I saw that, I was like, this is so legendary. Dan, our trainer is going to be so happy. So I love that picture of her where it's all like, you know, very painterly. In the yeah, background. that's right. The painter, yeah. She, yeah. she, uh, that, she's... That's the art heist I would do if I got yeah. one. Oh, that. that's so awesome. That's so, so awesome. Um, yes, yeah, she... Um, um, I used to really um, like. I really like working with actors who are familiar, yet not really engaged in kind of celebrity culture mm. as much. Um, you know, I mean, whatever that means. But I guess, I mean, I like the echo of familiarity as opposed to the overwhelming sense of of uh, celebrity. And mm. Rose was, um, you know, working and so on. But um, but it's funny because literally a year after it. Like she, you know, I guess became like a celebrity. So it was kind of like, like suddenly the work had a different, uh, a different quality. But when I showed the work, it was still kind of people. Oh, is this the woman from? I feel like I've seen her on TV too, mm. and I love that. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. I, I love that. And that was when I fell in love with her in Damages. I think exactly. That's oh, when love people were. Yeah. D- Dan always thinks I look like her brother, so like we, we're meant to be re- we're distantly or related. her sister. My, or, or her sister. <laughs> he calls me Rosie. He literally calls me Rosie. Uh, did you know George, like her brother? No, no. doesn't know oh, anyone okay. related. To I don't. Her I don't even know Rose. Like her. If know. you, what what is the best advice you've ever had when it comes to your art? The best advice was one of my art dealers told me, you know, it's if you don't feel like coming, it's it's okay. Like. If you don't feel like coming to the opening, it's okay. Sometimes it's better. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I feel like, yeah, maybe that's, I'm joking. But, yeah, I mean, like, the best advice about my career, you know, um, the best advice is always, like, be, like, a really kind of easygoing, right? So, like, I, I guess be easygoing. Be easy. Which, which I'm not. Uh, uh, but I guess, you know, <laughs> You're not, I'm no. saying, like, no, I'm not. But I, unfortunately... I never mastered that, but um. But your um, do you think your hard work then to work with? I well, um, That's some nice. would say you know yeah, have, but then some actually tell me that. Uh, so it kind of depends. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, you're a di- are you a diva, Elad? <laughs> are you a diva? No, 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 not like that. I think that um, I um find myself often having a hard time explaining myself when I work or feeling misunderstood. Um, yeah, so maybe that, you know, so, so sometimes that can be... Frustrations. The last question we ask every guest is, you're probably not going to be able to answer, which will be a first, but uh, what is your favourite colour? Oh, as you said earlier, you don't have one. So. I absolutely do not have one. Maybe like maybe like a bad colour, like like really bad mass, like mustard colour. I don't know, like mm. some... I mean, something I can really dislike. I, I don't like, I don't, yeah, I, I don't feel like. Your most dislike. A, di- a difficult color for her lads, is it? <laughs> yeah. I think I, that's often, that's often what I, with my work, I would choose like the kind of yeah. the most obnoxious color. Uh, I mean, obviously all colors are great, right? I mean, color is, is I think like marks, a mark is, is great, right? Right with any color. So yeah, I mean, like, um, but, but yeah, I can't, I can't say that um, I, I don't experience color like that like as like one is nicer than other mm. um i think i'm more experiencing it as like a perceptual thing i, I get more like 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 a nail polish thing like i want to touch it you know mm. like it's more like um that's the lacquer uh, effect isn't it the framing and stuff yeah, yeah yeah but it, I, it's more like a uh, like i think uh i 
I fall right into like a texture or a, like a kind of spatial quality. So I think I think of colors more of like what makes something looks narrower or wider or this kind of way. That's that's like perception uh, related, maybe. Love. Well, but, we yeah. love that about you. That is a really interesting Thank you so much yes. for being uh, this has been This has been so brilliant, Elad. Um, it's been fascinating. It's been so brilliant. We've been looking at your work for so long. And there was, there was one photograph I saw earlier, which was from 2014, and you're a bit of a prophet, and it's called Man Mask Lamp. And it's a guy with a face mask on. Do you, do you remember that work? And yes, in my head, yes. I'm like, that just well, feels so is. prescient for now, well, but you, you made it what? in 2014. L- let, me give, let me add a layer to it. It is my dentist. There we go. And this is and so this that's is autobiographical. So it is autobiographical. <laughs> well, that's no, that's casting. That's LA for you. I was that's looking casting. for a person. Observation. And only in LA would you have a dentist that looks like a TV show actor. Yes. Um, he looks like, oh, you should be the dentist. Except you are my dentist. You should play the dentist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's LA for you. And uh, uh, after he did a root canal, I said, you know, I think you would be great for this photo. <laughs> And uh, he was like, sure. He still cashed his check of um, uh, like a standard check for, for your root canal. For photograph. Yeah. No, no, no. He cashed his check for, for sitting for a photograph. Oh. Just like, you know, for his time. I, I oh, always... so you pay, you pay your models to sit for you and stuff? Yeah, just for the time. I mean, it's very much of. of so I always offered um, to pay for someone's time to, that it only makes sense. Uh, a very busy dentist, but it was kind of cool to see, like, oh, you cashed it fast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Awesome. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And you're, are you on Instagram? No. That's quite oh, okay. a surprise. That's quite cool. So we can't actually give you your, 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 your handle. But you no, can but find I look your at, work. I look at, at Instagrams. Of, it's funny because Maurizio Catalan asked me in an interview that they just asked me for this interview for a book of his. Um, and he asked, he was like, very early on, he was like, are you, are you, are you going to do Instagram? He was like, we're not sure, not everybody did it even. And, and I was like, oh, no, I don't, I think it's too much for me. Um, and it never changed. Yeah. So. Well, we, we will link to your galleries. Yeah, 303 so and one have, you, And also the yeah. websites and they can see your yes. Yeah, exactly. the, the, the most incredible people, uh, 303, Massimo, Francesca, Pia. Amazing. Well, for everyone listening, we're going to have all images up on our Instagram at Talker and then check out all them links for uh, Elad. And this has been incredible. Thank you so much, Elad. Thank thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been brilliant. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com